Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's look at um, Revelation chapter 3 today and uh, read this famous letter that's written to the church of Laodicea. Uh, read with me uh, once again. Verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither hot, cold, cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so that be, but because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, God love the ESV, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. All right. If you're here, ready to hear the word, Lord, I'm here to say amen. Now, God makes an indictment here for the church of Laodicea. And the famous indictment that we know God to make to this church is the lukewarm aspect. You've heard probably many sermons on don't be lukewarm, right? Be all in for God. You know, and that's a good message. But today, I'm going to focus more on the word naked. Hallelujah. And... <clears throat> Jesus tells the church of Laodicea, clothe yourselves so that you may cover the shame of your nakedness. That you may cover the shame of your nakedness. Now, what does the word naked mean? Right? Dictionary definition means without clothes, without covering or protection. The figurative definition for naked is exposed to harm. Unprotected, vulnerable. That's what naked means figuratively. And obviously, Jesus, when he's talking to the church of Laodicea here, he's talking figuratively. I don't think this was a bunch of you know people at church that were showing up to naked each Sunday, and he's like, "You are really naked." You know, he is talking figuratively. But what is Jesus getting at there? And I want to talk about that today. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and tell him, "I don't want to see you naked." Hallelujah. You know, one, a popular thing that Koreans love to do here is to go to Jinjirbang and Mogoktang with their friends, which is like a sauna where uh, you and your friends, you go and you undress yourselves, male to male, female to female, and then you go in and you, and you, you, you wash up. <laughs> and then you, there's steam rooms and then there's really, really, really hot like sauna baths that you go in and out. If you just came to Korea, you gotta, you gotta check it out. We're trying to get Sister Cassandra to go together with the staff, and she's just not having it right now. But, but I'm telling you, we're gonna get her. We're gonna get her. It brings, I went, I went last, uh, this past summer, and Marcus was like not having it for a very long time. And we went to Busan, and we, Pastor John Newfeld, Marcus, and I, uh, we had some fellowship. Uh, we had some fellowship, and it was a wonderful time. <laughs> it was a wonderful time. But, um, but hallelujah, we're, today, today we're, we're, not, we're focusing on the negative aspects of being naked. Now, um, there are a lot of Christians today, they try to live their Christian lives naked. They run around going from place to place, going from one assignment to another, but they're going around naked. They're going out without any covering. And as they go out without any covering, they are left unprotected they are left vulnerable to all kinds of deception all kinds of attacks 
all kinds of stupid decisions on their part or all kinds of manipulations that the devil does and throws at them. A lot of Christians, they go around naked. And my message to you is very simple. Do not go naked. Do not enter your marriage naked. If you, marriage is a big decision. Pursuing a romantic relationship is a big decision. But so many Christians, they do it naked. They do it by themselves. They do it with themselves and the Trinity, and that's all they need. Right? But what they fail to realize is God takes seriously the body of Christ. And within the body of Christ, He has placed leaders and structure. He has given gifts to leaders. He has given them responsibility to watch over the souls of the congregation. And He takes that very seriously. But a lot of Christians today, they don't take that seriously. Because, you know, we, we have this thing called the priesthood of all believers. We do have direct access to God. We can talk to Him directly. We can hear from Him directly. Right? And in the middle of all of that, they, they say, well, you know what? These are my, this is my prerogative. I'm going to make the decisions I want. And they end up making major decisions, but they do it naked. They do it without any covering. And, and today's message is just very simple. It is... Do not go naked. You know, last week we had our evangelism outreach. And um, <laughs> we had a lot of newcomers come last week. Here at Etail, when there's a lot of newcomers every week. But uh, at Hillside, our average attendance is about 130. Last week we had 175 people. Right, so you know, a lot of people came. Pastor Joshua, you guys saw him preach, right? He shared his testimony. He's an Iranian guy that got saved while he was living in Iran. Hallelujah. And... Um, at, over at Hillside, uh, we had about 15 people. We had a couple people here recommit their hearts to Christ. Over there, we had about 15 people. And then we had one girl stood up to receive Christ into her life for the very first time. Let's praise God for that. That's a work of His grace, salvation. I got to talk to this girl right after the service, just kind of try to establish some identity stuff in her so that she can't get shaken. And I encourage her to go hurry up and find a good local church when she gets back to California, things like that. Pray for her to receive the Holy Spirit. Why wait, right? So pray for her to receive the Holy Spirit. She started shaking and under the power of God, right? Started receiving and just crying. She got really touched. It was her third Sunday ever at any church, right? And so she really got saved, and she got saved soundly through our church's ministry. Now, when a non-believer puts their faith in Christ, we call that being born again. And in the natural, when a baby is born... That baby is born naked in their birthday suit, right? <laughs> Completely naked. And what's true in the natural is also true in the spirit realm. When a brand new, when a brand new Christian, when a person believes and becomes born again, right? They're born in the spirit realm as a baby believer, Right? When's the last time you saw a baby pop out of the womb with jeans and a t-shirt on, right? I mean, every time there's a person that puts their faith in Christ, they start off as a baby believer. And baby believers, just like natural babies, baby believers need covering. They need covering. They need Bible study. They need prayer. They need uh, good preaching each week. They need to worship God with, uh, with the saints, 
Baby believers, they need covering. But I see so many baby believers, they try a little bit, and they don't like it, or they disagree with something, and they try to do it on their own. And what I'm trying to tell you today is, uh, when, the, when this letter is written to the church of Laodicea, Jesus isn't indicting non-believers. All right? Make it clear to you, Jesus is indicting believers. These are people within the church. And he's like, look, you think you're all that, but you're actually naked. And there's a lot of baby believers that hop around from church to church. They can't commit. They can't submit. And they actually just run around naked. That's really sad. And, and, um, and, uh, and let me say something here too, right? Um, podcasts cannot replace good covering. Actually, podcasts, books, conferences, they don't provide you with covering. Right? And, and there are some believers because, you know, I have a direct access to God. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So look, man, I don't, I don't like the local churches in my area. So you know what? I'm just going to have church in, my, in front of my computer. Okay? And you know, they turn on Joe Olstein, They turn on Bill Johnson. I Bethel TV. Boom, 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 boom. I hop, whatever, you know. And they're like, I'm, I'm getting church right now. This is with a service that I, is the one I can find. Look, if you're living out in Daejeon, and I know some people do live in Daejeon. If you're living out in Daejeon, or you're in the middle somewhere of Bhutan, or in, in Bangladesh, or something like that, and there are no local churches around, hey, guess what? Maybe that is your area. That's like your form of covering. That's all you can find. But if you're, you have access to local churches, and all you do is go to books and MP3s, I'm telling you right now, your covering does not come from those things. Let me tell you something about covering. Covering comes from relationship. Do you have a relationship with Mark Driscoll? Well, he speaks to me all the time. Well, well, does he know anything about you? That he could speak into your life? He could speak wisdom, correction, reproof. Right? Covering comes from relationships and the deeper the commitment and submission the thicker the covering but there's so many christians especially baby believers they bounce around naked and you know what they think nobody sees you know what i'm sorry to say this i don't know if i'm 100 percent accurate all right i don't bat a thousand but let me tell you right now when i see a newcomer coming to the church i can tell whether they're covered or whether they're naked it's like almost clear as day to me. I can look right here. Everybody knew that this came today, right? You're either, I, I'm not talking physically at all, all right? I'm just talking in the spirit realm. I mean, you're either naked or you're, or, or you're covered. It's really clear. Even, it's just the, even the way you receive sermons, I could, I could tell, right? Because if you're receiving my sermons well, you're probably covered or something like that. <laughs> but if you're naked, you're probably like, you know? Well, no, no, I mean, I think people think that nobody notices, but you know what? It's really plain to everybody. If you've been going here to there to there and you can't, you can't submit, you can't settle down, right? Or you settle down, but the longest period you settle down is less than a year. You know why? You know why? Because once you start to settle down, you get to know people, 
you find out that that they don't like you as much as they didn't like you at the last church and you also don't like them as much as you probably didn't like people at the last church and then you start to find out they don't like you and you don't really like them so guess what if you don't appreciate me i'm going somewhere else then you start the process all over again. Hi, my name is Christian. Yeah, I'm new at this church. David, nice to meet you. Yeah, Lisa, whoa, wonderful. You're such a wonderful person. Until a year later, and you get to know them, and then you're like all over again. Oh, I don't like these people. All right, man, this church has got this problem. The leader's got this issue. And you know what? I'm out. Bounce. And you go to the next place, and you start all over again. You go through the honeymoon thing, and it's the same thing as getting married and divorced, married and divorced, married and divorced. Or it's just like dating, 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 and never settling down. So many believers, they do church. They just do church. They, they, they treat church like a one-night stand. Let me, let me get in the Dale anointing right now. <laughs> the offensive anointing. Now, people treat church like a one-night stand. You, know, you get in there, you get this amazing, even uh, like charismatic type service. You get, you get blasted, you get filled with the Spirit. And you're like, wow, it's great. And then people start to speak into your life. You're like, no, you know what? That's where it stops. You want to talk about my romantic? You want, you want to talk about my romantic, like, ro- romantic areas of my life? No, you're not coming there. You know, you start to block people out. And you're just like, you know what? Peace. I'm going to go somewhere else where it's more comfortable for me. But and sisters, so many believers... They're running around naked. And let me tell you something. It's not just baby believers that need covering. Pastors, missionaries, full-time evangelists, itinerant ministers, they need covering too. Amen? In fact, this is the point I made at the last service. The more intense work you do for the kingdom of God, the more covering you need. Because with new levels comes new devils. And you might have matured and you got bigger assignments and you're like, oh, it should get easier from here. And it's not. The bigger the assignments, the bigger the attacks. The more clever the attacks and schemes of the enemy. And the Bible tells us, do not be unaware of his schemes. Brothers and sisters, The more intense the work you do for the kingdom, the more important it is that you are covered. If you go out naked, you will get beat down. You know, I hear too many. I hear one too many stories of missionaries that support race from various churches, but they don't get sent out from a particular church. They kind of go on their own, kind of independently. They just go, they raise the money, but then they go on on their own with no covering. They go naked. And guess what? A couple of years later, they come back from Uzbekistan. They come back from Nigeria. They come back from Bangladesh. And guess what? They're defeated, depressed, and divorced. I mean, you'd be like, oh, I've never heard of missionaries getting divorced. Well, I hear it all the time. It happens. And don't think it's because, oh, well, they probably had marital issues beforehand. No, it's because when you go out on the field and you start doing intense work like that, devil's going to be like, hmm, well, I can't get him there. I can't get him there. This is always a good one. Let's just get his marriage. Imagine that. Do you think you're going to stay on the missions field and keep doing the work of God when your marriage is falling apart? When your wife is filing for divorce? What do you think you're doing? Right? You're going to just pack it all up and come home. But you know what? If missionaries have proper covering, proper training, 
proper wisdom and prayer, all that kind of covering, if they have proper covering, they will be victorious on the missions field. Uh, there's a passage in Acts. Let's look at Acts chapter 19. All right, I'll give you a very vivid picture of what it looks like when you go naked, when you try to do ministry naked. That's what it looks like. Acts chapter 19. Come look with me. All right, here we have the story of the seven sons of Sceva. Look at Acts 19 verse 11. It says, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried to the, away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Oh, hallelujah. I want to get up in that, you know, handkerchief deliverance ministry. <laughs> this handkerchief touched the skin of Zach Dean, that anointed man of God. If you want deliverance, come to the front. Hallelujah. And just, you just start hitting people with a handkerchief. Getting them delivered. And it's a funny story. Actually, Cindy Jacob had a similar story. She, there was like a coat that she wore when she was in Europe ministering. And there was so much anointing on her during that trip that as she prayed for people, um, it, uh, she had eventually left Europe with, with her coat being left behind. And so the people had the faith to believe that the anointing that was on, uh, I believe it was Cindy Jacob's, uh, Cindy Jacobs had transferred over to the coat. So they tried it out and they started taking the coat to the sick and to the diseased and to the demon possessed. And what they realized was this coat had the anointing power still resting on it. And so they started just healing people, delivering people using Cindy Jacobs' coat. And then funny thing is they dry cleaned it and then the anointing was gone. <laughs> so there was a popular Cindy Jacobs message where she says, don't dry clean uh, anointed uh, coat. I don't know, something like that. But anyway, um, I'm sorry, getting back to the text. Um, so, you know, Paul's handkerchief is doing some stuff here. Verse 13 Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims, you know, get out. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, Paul, I recognize. Who are you? All right, you got to picture this, right? These are Jewish exorcists, right? They're most likely Christian, or they, they, they either heard the gospel message and responded, or they had heard the gospel message. And when they see Paul healing people, this demon possessed, you know, just getting them delivered. And they're like, well, that's what we've been trying to do all this time. So let's try what Paul's been doing. He seems to use a formula where he says the name of Jesus a lot. So let's try using the name of Jesus. They go out there, start using the name of Jesus. And one demon-possessed man looks up at them and says, Jesus, I know, Paul, I heard of, who are you? And if you read the very next verse, the Bible says, The man in whom was the evil spirit, the demon-possessed man, jumped on them, beat them up. Like literally, all, how many of there? Of there? There are seven sons, there are seven dudes, seven grown adults, and they get beat up by one demon-possessed dude. And the demon-possessed people, you know, they don't even have good hand-eye coordination, right? And they just get beat up. They get overpowered. All seven of them. And guess what, what happens? The Bible says that they were so overpowered that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Or in the NIV, bleeding. Naked and wounded and bleeding. That is a vivid picture 
But what happens when you try to do kingdom ministry without proper covering? I mean, not even just proper covering. They didn't even have an anointing on them to do this. Right? But, you know, the, the bottom line being, they, they try to go out. I mean, if they wanted to do it right, they could have came to Paul and said, Paul, teach us how you do your ministry. And then lay your hands on us. And then we'll go out and do how you've been doing because the way we've been doing it is not working. You know, they could have gotten that covering, but they didn't. They just went out naked. And they got, they, you know, it's like this. Don't go out naked or you might end up naked. Remember the story here? They were naked at the end. All right. Man, it didn't work at the other campus either. <coughs> Hallelujah. Uh, there are a lot of people in this room, and you guys have, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Here's the Holy Spirit right here. You guys in here, you guys um, have incredible gifts in here. Many of you in here, you have incredible gifts. All right, and there's the Holy Spirit just dropped down this. I, I, have, I mentioned this at the previous campus, but I didn't get it like this. I'm going to give it to you like I just got it from the Holy Spirit, right? What, what I feel like is inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, some of you in here, you're really gifted, but you're never going to reach your full potential of your gifting, anointing, uh, your 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 uh, abilities. You're never going to tap into the full potential of your gifting, anointing, and abilities unless you get proper covering. Because the reason why is because when you are under covering, when you're in submission, when you're committed and submitted to mighty men of God, right? And men and women of God. Uh, when you're submitted and committed, it is during that process of your submission that you grow in wisdom maturity, character, so that when you start to operate and function in your gifts, abilities, and anointings, you operate and you function with effectiveness and longevity. Because how many of you guys know in here that Jesus is not looking for ministers that are effective for four months and then plop out? He wants to use your whole life and all of your life. Look at the Apostle Paul. Here's a man that God used his entire life for his glory. That's what God wants to do in your life. But I'll tell you right now, you will not have... The, even, even the Apostle Paul, after he got converted, he had a season, he had a process he went through where he was committed and submitted. He was serving, doing odd jobs, whatever they asked him to do, he did. He humbled himself. And it was through that he developed the maturity, the wisdom... The character for him to do what he did for the rest of his life. And, and many of you in here, you guys have amazing abilities, anointings, and gifts. But you will go nowhere with those things if you continue to go out naked. Let me tell you a wonderful story. Coming straight off the press of heaven. One story that God has been crafting for the last several years in order for me to make this sermon illustration today. Michael Vick. Okay, if you guys don't know who Michael Vick is, let me tell you right now. Michael Vick is one of the most electrifying athletes of all time. Okay? He's a quarterback right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. But before he played for the Eagles, he used to play for the Atlanta Falcons. All right, he's drafted in the first round. He was really... High hopes. And he did amazing stuff in college. Came into the NFL. Was doing amazing things. <coughs> Michael Vick. Man, if you saw last week's Giants game, 
you know that this man has an anointing to do what he does. All right, he's just, he's, he'll be in the pocket, but man, when he sees the opening, he is off. 20, 30, 35 yards. Just pick it right up right, with his feet because he has such an amazing athleticism. All right. Um, Michael Vick, hallelujah. When he was at the Atlanta, when he was with the Atlanta Falcons, Michael Vick had ability, anointing, same thing. He had all the giftings he has right now, right? But Michael Vick would go out naked. All right, so if you don't know his story, Michael Vick will never show up for practice, right? Football is tough. Like, you play hard, you play injured. Sunday, you play. Monday, you get a day off. Tuesday, you're back at practice hitting each other and your teammates to try to continue to keep in shape. And if you play a really good game, uh, all football players know uh, that they love it when the coach, after a win, says, I'll see you on Wednesday. Everyone's like, yeah! You know? Well, here's the thing. Michael Vick didn't show up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He didn't show up. And there was a coach named uh, Jim Mora, right? He was the Atlanta Falcons coach. And he interviewed him this past year because Vick started, he's blasting off with the Eagles right now. And um, <clears throat> Jim Moore sat down with him, interviewed him, and said, you know, I remember you just wouldn't show up to any of the practices. You wouldn't listen to anything I'd say. And Vic was like, yeah, man, that's where I was. I, man, I didn't care about any of that. I just want to do what I do. And Vic, Vic smoked a lot of weed, so, you know, he's kind of like laid back kind of dude. Stop smoking weed, by the way. Um, and, uh, and Jim Moore was just interviewing him, and I got, a, I got a glimpse of what Vic's week-by-week week looked like, all right? He would hang out with his, uh, all his uh, childhood friends, getting involved with violence and drugs, and, and you guys know the other stuff that he got involved with, right? I don't want to mention it, right? It's the house of God. We don't mention that stuff. But yeah, he got involved in dogfighting. <laughs> That's what he got involved with, all right? And Americans are just hating on him for it. I don't know why, but anyway, I, I love dogs too, but, but uh, Vic went out naked week by week. And he would be able to excel and win some games using just his gifting and anointing ability alone. But he could not get his team to a championship just based on that. What he needed was the covering, the wisdom. He needed to be in submission to his coaches and to his general managers. But what did Michael Vick do? Well, I'm Michael Vick. I'm the most electrifying athlete in all of sports. I do what I want. That's how Michael Vick lived his life. And so guess what? He didn't eat right. He wasn't practicing enough. He didn't know all the plays. When defenses would throw exotic blitz packages, he didn't know what to do. He'll try to escape with his feet every time. His numbers started to drop. His teammates, he saw how he's living his life. Was like, man, I can't, I can't respect that. Look, I'm working my butt off. I'm making like $60,000 a year. You're making $6 million a year. I'm making $60,000 a year. And you're not even coming to half the practices I come to. Right? All that dissension. Eventually, Vic reaped what he sowed. Because he kept on, kept on going out naked. And eventually, his nakedness was exposed. Right? He ended up in jail for all the dogfighting stuff that he was involved with. He was uh, raising dogs and having them fight each other, kill each other. Terrible. I know. It's terrible. I got over it real quick, but the rest of America is still taking their time. <coughs> the whole city of Philadelphia, by the way, they got over it real quick when he started playing well this season. <laughs> anyway, um, Vic 
last year came out of jail and was being mentored by former Indianapolis Colts coach um, Tony Dungy, right? Tony Dungy won a Super Bowl with, uh, with oh, sorry, Peyton Manning. And uh, Tony Dungy is a strong Christian. He actually leads the Campus Crusade uh, breakfast uh, for NFL each year at the All-Star Game or something like that. And he does some kind of breakfast thing, and he leads the prayer time. He's a really strong spiritual and uh, football mentor to a lot of players. And he's decided to take Michael Vick under his wing. And he said, before Michael Vick came out, he started meeting him and started saying, look, <clears throat> you still have the same ability and gifts, young man. And I believe God will give you a second chance, but if you're going to take this second chance, you've got to do it right. You've got to be in submission. You've got to stay out of trouble. You've got to cut off some of those friends you have. Right? Tony Dunn just started mentoring him. And then the, the commissioner of the NFL got involved. Tony Dungy started to really champion for Michael Vick's second chance. And, and uh, Roger Goodell started to say, all right, I'm open to hearing what, what you have to say. And, and Vick was like, all right, I'm going to really submit this time. And then eventually, he started shopping around teams. Teams were like, no way, we're never going to let. Man, Vick hasn't played for two, three years. He's out of shape. He can't, he can't do what he used to do, man. He's done. And the quarterbacks, you know, usually when they're done, they're done. Unless you're Brett Favre. Hallelujah. <laughs> Then you take a lick and you keep on ticking. But um, <coughs> I'm sorry. Could we get that off, man? It's, it's drying out my throat. Um, and so he comes. He comes back, and uh, finally the Philadelphia Eagles hear about this, and uh, he starts to talk to um, co- head coach Andy Reid, um, our general manager uh, Greg Laurie. And then uh, Donovan McNabb, when he was with the Eagles, you know, he started to really say, you know what? I think Vic is serious. I think he's serious. He's going he's gonna to do it with covering this time. Let's give him a second chance. So all last year, the Eagles gave him a second chance, restored him to the NFL. The moment the Eagles said, we are signing Vic to a short-term contract, the entire United States of America went up in a riot and was like, Philadelphia, you are one dirty city. You're a one low scum city. And you know what? Philadelphia, we were like, man, is this worth it? And Michael Vick last year, he didn't play that well. He was just doing wildcat offense. He'll just run it more than in, in here and there. But he wasn't even playing that well. So Philadelphia Eagles fans were like, man, is this worth it? But you know what? Every Philadelphia resident, they are Michael Vick. They have the same exact type of past. So the whole city was like, you know what? My mama. My cousins, my uncles, they all gave me a second chance. I can give Michael Vick a second chance. (laughs) And by the way, it's called the gospel, if you didn't know. A a city full of fans that are known for anger and throwing batteries at opposing fans and and throwing snowballs at Santa Claus, all right? (laughs) These fans, at least they know something about second chance. They know something about grace. And we extended that grace. Michael Vick started playing. McNabb was still playing pretty good. And I was just like, man, I don't know what's going to happen with Vick, but I, I hope he can contribute something. All right? But what I heard was he would go in at 6 a.m. to practice every, every week. Because Donovan McNabb is very disciplined in that. So he's like, it's like John Newfeld and, and like Marcus, kind of like that. <laughs> John Newfeld, you know, he always comes on time. He comes early, right? And that, that helped Marcus this year. And now he's punctual. 
Right? The same way, like McNabb will go in real early. Vic will follow him. They'll be the last ones out in the film room. Vic will be the last one out in the film room. And he started to really submit, really be in contact, really make phone calls, really have covering. All right. After a year of that, beginning of this season, right? God bless Kevin Cobb, but he was our first quarterback. He's QB1. All right. But uh, uh, Clay Matthews from Green Bay Packers messed him up, tackled him. He went and got a concussion. And then right after <laughs> middle of the game, Michael Vick had to come in. And the moment Michael Vick stepped into the Green Bay game, oh my goodness, that boy was on fire, started making a comeback. Green Bay Packers are shaking in their boots, and they, and they just started coming back. If it wasn't for Clay Matthews, we would have won that game, by the way. But um, Michael Vick almost leads the comeback, and he plays so well. And then Kevin Cobb the next week, because the NFL is so careful with concussions, wouldn't let Kevin Cobb play, right? And so Andy Reid's like, we're going to go with Vick again. Vick plays the next game, plays excellent. Just throws all these amazing throws and just, 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 everyone's like, Vic is back, Vic is back, Vic is back. And everyone's like, we thought he was done. We thought he didn't have that speed, quickness, and athleticism anymore. But guess what? The Bible says, right? This is just biblical. Gifts of God are irrevocable. Right? So if God gives you a gift, whether it's a natural gift or a spiritual supernatural gift, many times all those gifts are going to be irrevocable. Meaning even if you really, really mess up, even if you're like in fornication and sexual immorality on the side, all right? That's what will surprise a lot of people. They'll be like, how was Ted Haggard, you know, smoking drugs and involved with a homosexual prostitute when on the weekends he's moving in the power of God, getting people healed and delivering these powerful messages? Well, it's because the gifts of God are irrevocable. God's not an Indian giver. He doesn't give you something and take it back. Once he gives you something, he knows you're going to mess up, but he's patient enough. To handle that gift to the end of your lifetime. And then he will assess what you did. <clears throat> and so anyway, Vic, you know, he comes out, starts playing spectacular. And this entire season, <coughs> got injured once, went out for a couple of games, came back, was playing spectacular. When Michael Vick starts the game and finishes the game, the Eagles are like 9-1 and one or something like that. And he is neck and neck with Tom Brady for the MVP award for the year. Now, why do I mention Michael Vick today? I believe what we see in the NFL is a powerful contrast of what a man's, man's life looks like when he's naked and what he looks like when he's covered. Right now, with the covering that Michael Vick has, all right, all the, all Deion Sanders, all of the popular announcers, they all go, man, the Eagles defense sucks. It's the worst red zone defense in the whole entire league. And it is. They're terrible, man. It kills me. But Deion Sanders is like, but the Eagles could win the Super Bowl because they got the Vic factor. Right? And then they're like, well, what if Vic messes up again? Well, Vic's not going to mess up again. Because this time Vic is back and Vic isn't naked. Vic's got covering. Right, he's regularly talking to the commissioner of the NFL, regularly talking to Andy Reid, the head coach, regularly talking to uh, Greg Laurie, you know, all these mentors, people. You know, he's in submission to them. And brothers and sisters, we could learn a thing or two from Michael Vick is what I'm trying to say over today. Why are you going around naked and, you know, and you want to do the work of God? 
but you want to do it your way or the highway. And, and, and God is like, you know what? I love the heart. I love the heart. But you can't keep doing it naked. Because if you keep going out naked, eventually that nakedness is going to get exposed. You see, when you go out naked, you, try, you live without accountability. When you go out naked, you live uh, without giving people permission to speak into your life and to confront maybe a lust problem, to confront uh, some kind of eating problem, or confront some kind of uh, punctuality problem. You know, you don't give people permission to do that. And you might experience success for a season, but eventually everybody will see that you're actually naked. And the shame of your nakedness is going to get exposed. So let me ask you a question today. Are you covered? And what degree of covering do you have on your life? Well, I'm just part of a small group. I get covering through small group. All right, well, what about the small group? Do you show up? Yeah, I show up. Do you show up on time? Uh, well, you know, sometimes subway, you know, it's late and stuff. No, man, we have the most efficient subway system in the world. I'm like, are you showing up on time? Are you doing your homework? Do you pray for your small group leader? Do you pray for your small group members? How committed are you? When you made that major decision about changing hagwans last month, or you made a major decision to uh, move to another city next year, did you even talk to your small group leader about it? Well, you know, well, my, well, I don't I, I didn't think I need to. Well, all right, well, how much covering do you have? Well, you know, I, I make good decisions on my own. I just like to be on my own. Well, well, you're naked. And if you're an active leader here at New Philly, I mean, you, you, if you're an active leader, you are generally going to have access to talk to John Michael, to Marcus, to myself, to the pastors here, to Aaron Samo. You're going to have access to talk to us. And what I really don't like, what's been going on this past year, and this is what I addressed at Hillside, is the active leaders of our church, they are the public representatives of ministry here at our church. They represent New Philly. And I would imagine, I would expect more from those who are publicly recognized, those who are active leaders here. Because what's been happening is active leaders make major decisions... And then they shoot me an email. Oh, by the way, Pastor Christian, this is what I'm going to do. And so, uh, can you pray for me next week? And I'm like, all right, okay. Huh. That was out of the blue. Huh. I actually was feeling uh, this other leading, and I wanted to share that with you, but you didn't even give me a chance to do that. Huh. Well, you know, I feel like... You know, without really telling you, you have like an orphan spirit thing. So I was trying to get you healed from that. But, you know, now you're leaving. I don't know. You know, it's going to come. You're going to have to relearn that lesson at the new, new house you go to. You know? And an active leaders, they, they, they've been doing that. And, and, and I want to disallow that because that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. And check this out. I, as your lead pastor, and this is to all the active leaders, I'm not interested in controlling your life. I'm not a cult leader. I think cult leaders got it tough, man. 
I mean, as much as they're manipulating people and, and deceiving people, I mean, they, they got it tough. For them to run the cult, a good, successful one, I mean, they got to do some work. They got to get into people's minds, try to stay ahead of the game, and try to manipulate you every time, control you. Man, that takes a lot of energy. Just even thinking about that gets me tired. I'm not interested in controlling you. I don't want to control you. I just want to bring covering for you. I just want you to let me speak into your life like a father does to a son. You know, well, I have God as the father. But yeah, yeah, well, part of experiencing God as your father is learning how to submit to spiritual leaders that God's placed around you. Because God can speak, reveal something to your leader that he doesn't reveal to you. And God wants you to get it through your leader. He wants you to access that revelation through relationship with your leader. Through the covering provided by your leader. Remember what I said? Covering comes from relationship. So brothers and sisters, don't go out naked. Hallelujah. If you're new to our church, I just want to really encourage you. If you're looking for a church, or if you're just visiting here and you're committed at another church, look, if you're committed at another church, please go back to the other church. You know, uh, if you want to leave that church and you feel like God's leading you here, then please go to that other pastor. Even if you're not that close to that pastor, but if you've been serving at that church, least you can do is go to that pastor and say, I feel God is leading me to another church. Um, I just want to receive your blessing. I just want to let you know that. I just want to say, I want to thank you for what you've been doing into my life. Just honor them and get their blessing before you make a decision. You know what I mean? Because even the way you make decisions to come to New Philly, it's really important to me. You know? <clears throat> when I start to put people in positions of authority and leadership, one of, one of the things the Holy Spirit always leads me to look at is your history. So I'll try to listen for your story. Well, what's your story like? Well, you know, I was at this church, and then, you know, I was leading worship there. And I started dating one of the girls and one of the keyboardists. She was really like, fine, right? But then, you know, like, we started, you know, you know, you know, this was bad, so I had to leave, you know. <laughs> and then I went to this other church, and then, you know, I was, I was serving just, you know, on the, on, the, on the soundboard. And then, you know, and then I got into, like, a little fight thing with the pastor there. And I don't agree with, you know, it was really a theological thing. Because, you know, you know, my pastor was like, like this, and, and he's a Calvinist. So, you know, Calvinists are all demonic, so I had to leave. <laughs> and then I go to this church, and, they, you know, they're speaking too much tongues. I couldn't hear myself, so I had to leave over here. <laughs> oh really okay all right, so that's your story all right so you have all these giftings you can play the drums you can play the bass all right praise the lord can you mop the floor next saturday be here can you join the service team take out the trash next sunday be a swim can you come out each week and be committed to the prayer movement of this church even when you don't feel like it. Be here next week. Why? Why? Why, why do I do that? Am I just putting people, th jump, making them jump through holes, loops and for, for just red tape? You know, I love red tape. Here you go. You cannot serve at this church until, until you get through all the red tape. Is that what I'm trying to do? You know, you know, you know that's not what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to do. All right. The greatest king in all of Israel's history, his name was David. David had a maturity 
David had a wisdom. David had a heart after God like none of the kings ever recorded in all of Israel's history. David was like such, such, so close to God, such in oneness with God, he was like a shadow and type of Jesus Christ. David was one of my kings. But if you look at how David got to the throne, you will notice a very interesting process that all the other kings after David did not go through. David had to take care of sheep, shave them, feed them, step in their doo-doo and then have to clean off his shoes and sandals. He had to do that. And then later on, he had to play the guitar. He had to play the harp for King Saul. King Saul would be like, hey, bring that young man in. What's his name again? David. Yeah, whatever, man. Bring him in. Get that crazy demon spirit all over me. <laughs> and I need some peace. And then David would just come in. Start playing, you know, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, that's a good song right there. Oh, man, I feel peace. Oh, oh, man. You know, and, and he had to just serve. He just served. He wore the mantle. He wore the coat of servanthood. And as he wore that, he grew into it. He grew stronger in maturity and in character. Hallelujah. And, and what we need to realize, and this is what Pastor Benjamin uh, talked about at our leadership re- uh, meeting last Saturday. He said that just like in Elijah and Elisha, in the Bible there's a guy named Elijah, prophet, and Elisha, the prophet. And Elijah did all these kinds of uh, crazy miracles like raising the people from the dead. And the Bible says Elisha had a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And Elisha went out to do crazy, crazy things for God as well. But the Bible says that Elisha was Elijah's mentor. The second guy was the men- I mean, I mean, I mean uh, Elijah was the mentor to Elisha for, for, for a good period of time. And during that time, Pastor Benjamin said that what Elisha was assigned to do was simply wash Elijah's hands. He would pour water over Elijah's hands. And eventually, the mantle that was upon Elijah was transferred to Elisha. But before Elisha wore that miracle-working, signs-producing mantle, he wore a mantle of servanthood. And even in the life of the only Son of God, before Jesus Christ was exalted and crowned King of Kings, Lord of Lords, You have Jesus, the Son of God. He goes out, not naked, but under covering. Jesus was a man who knew submission. Read the whole Gospel of John. It's Jesus talking about submission. I only do what I see the Father doing. He's always in submission. Even through the Jewish culture that he came to kind of like, kind of, you know, even under that Jewish culture, he submitted. Now, if that's how our Lord and Savior, that's the path that he took, how much more so that us who are prone to wander, who are prone toward pride. You know, my prayer for you is that in here, all y'all will go on to be influential people. That y'all will start your own businesses. Y'all will open up orphanages. You'll open up schools. You'll, you will uh, 
come out with like life improving, enhancing products like the iPhone. <laughs> like you will come out with the next like, you know, like people eight years ago didn't know what Facebook was. But today we can't live without it. You know, and as much as Facebook could be evil, Facebook has provided a lot of good. You know, and in that sense, that you will go on to be entrepreneurs, innovators, creators. Right? But my prayer for you is that you don't go to that high place and then fall from grace. But you go to that high place and you do it with covering. I'm telling you right now, if you will do it with covering and you do it for a lifetime, those are the types of people. People that are covered are the ones that go out and cover the earth with the knowledge of his glory. Come on now. Hallelujah. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I just pray for each and every person in this room today, Lord. And I'm not sure what their story is, and I'm not sure what their experience has been like. But Father, I pray that you will cover them. Where some of them, they've been hurt by spiritual authorities. They've been hurt by their parents. They've seen so much abusive authority that they are afraid of authority. And they don't want, they're too fearful to give somebody that kind of access, that kind of permission to speak into their lives. Father, I pray you break, you break them free from all such fears. That they will not live in reaction to the negative attacks of the enemy on their life. But rather they would live not in reaction but in response to the leading of your spirit. Father, I pray each person in here that they will not go naked. But they will go out covered. Covered by the shadow of your wings. Covered by your wisdom and love. Covered, hallelujah, by the, by the voices of spiritual leaders that are seeking their good. Are seeking their best. Father, provide covering for your people.